News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. Welcome to Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning. I'm Alan Gilbert with DarkHookMedia.com. And I'm Maximilian, and Maximilian wants to wish a very happy birthday to... Two minutes? Is two minutes? Did she say two minutes? No, we've been talking for two minutes. You know this far? And he gets two minutes? You know how much it costs to fly here? Okay, I was about to throw my drink at Max when he introduced himself in the third person, but you're saying this is Elmo Day? It's Elmo's birthday. Okay. Well, that's how he is. The ultimate narcissist. Um, you know, Sesame Street really went downhill after Elmo showed up. I mean, am I sounding like a hater? I don't yes. know. <laughs> what does this look like, Max? What what is El- How is Elmo Day celebrated? You gotta I go. mean, it's just his birthday, so celebrate it the way you would any other birthday. How and old I w- is that fellow? I think he's consistently three and a half years old. Okay. <laughs> when did he's an '80s product, right? I mean, yeah, he was around. He made his first appearance in 1980. I will say that I really like kind of like the Japanese version of him. Let me play that real quickly. Okay. Hi, <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. Now, Elmo's okay, but he, I don't know. I, I think he taught children that the world revolves around them or something like that. So, I don't know. But uh, how are you going to celebrate Elmo Day today? Uh, Alan, you probably got one of those uh, Elmo, those big, what were those called? Tickle Me Elmo dolls or something. I think he ticked off the Muppet community. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding saying anything that will be misconstrued about a Muppet. So, I got, I got to walk away from that one and go, happy birthday, Elmo. <laughs> Cookie Monster uh, is the one who rocks, in my opinion. You so. just like him because of the halftime show thing that he did for the Chicago Cubs. Not to segue, but if you ever want to see the greatest uh, oh, no. seventh inning stretch rendering of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Google Cookie Monster sings Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Wrigley Field. It's epic. It's me, the, it is hands down the best one. Me, don't, don't, ca- don't give it away, Max. <laughs> anyway, all right, boy, did we get segued on that one. So uh, I'd really be curious if anybody out there is celebrating uh, Elmo Day. Or what the you know what their fond memories of Elmo are? Probably lighting a tickle me Elmo on fire. I don't know. I mean, we shouldn't getting sound like stampeded haters. at a at a at a store at Christmas trying to buy one of those things. Right, right. <laughs> so how wh- however you're celebrating, uh, let us know. Uh, you can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at nine zero one six eight three zero nine eight nine. Uh, it looks like the cameras are up, right, Max? Am I mistaken? They're and we're both. on just X today. Oh, okay. So we're still just on X. So if you want to watch the show, go to the uh, News Talk 98.9, the Roars X page. Uh, but we also encourage you to scoot on over to Facebook where you can wa- uh, check out the posts we've made on the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page. Uh, well, uh, we've made a couple of posts. We made one about uh, our must our must have item of the week, uh, but we also made one. In Great Moments in Building History, all about uh, this week's uh, topic is going to be the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. And we chose that very strategically because in the 9 o'clock hour, we've got a special guest coming in. (laughs) uh, Special guest correspondent, Lynn Neal, the real deal. And of course, if you if you uh, you know are a regular listener to Tool Talk and you keep the keep the radio on, you've heard you know the the racing report with Lynn Neal. So this will be interesting. We're going to talk about. the history of the Indianapolis Speedway. Also, 
building the uh, building your dream mechanics garage. We've got some, you know, if you're an at-home mechanic, and uh, we don't talk about the garage as much as we probably should, Alan, but uh, this is this is some of the things to think about and maybe some of the ways to, to uh, just make it the, uh, the ultimate workshop, you know, so that's going to yeah. be good. And then also Lynn is going to be joining us uh, in a tool tail and he's bringing the ta- he's even bringing the tool that uh, that that we're going to talk about. So it's going to be a automotive heavy uh, discussion in the second hour of uh, Tool Talk Radio. But um, uh, shortly we're going to get to a topic with uh, this is from this, I don't know if this is a new segment, but we're calling this from the mind of Max. And uh, we're not going to tease it, but it has to do with constructing skyscrapers mm, cool. in a new a new way of looking at that. We have our must-have item of the week. We've got a lot going on uh, today, um, but we're gonna we're gonna flip the script a little since uh, the second hour is gonna lean heavily uh, on Lynn Neal. So uh, let's get to it, Max. Oh, the humanity! <laughs> and I appreciate you keeping the volume down, or did he? I don't know. My head. I always keep the volume. Okay, yeah, it. It was not deafening our listeners. So uh, we're gonna find out what Alan did. That's of course. Uh, <laughs> This is the time of the show where we find out what Alan did this week uh, in Alan's Week in Review. So what did you do? Well, today I'm going to bring you the tale of two houses and hanging drapes. Okay. I thought you were going to start at like Romeo and Juliet, two opposing houses, Capulet Montague. Well, it is That sounded like an epic introduction for a very mundane task. However, it is a mission-critical task. Okay. Because... I would say at least 70% of our listeners will tell you the single most important thing going on in your home for its appearance are the window treatments. Well, yeah. I think they I do. think I would uh I would say especially if they're badly done. <laughs> Bingo. All righty. There you, or if you, they're overdone or so. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, th- their job is to be there and to look to look nice, but if yeah. They are be there to create the aesthetic. Yeah. You and I always talk about lighting mm-hmm. all the time, and we all know there's nothing better than natural light. Right. Ta-da. However, you know, times change, things move, the sun rotates, not every window gets the amount of light or whatever you want, but the one thing you're stuck with is where it is in the wall and how it looks. That's true. You know, and, and I was giving you a little grief, but now that you're saying that, you know, your window curtains or your blinds or your window mm. treatments, they're constant. I mean, that that's something you might literally move every day. We open and close our curtains at our house every day. And, you can't, and so it better be functional and it better be strong enough to hold up the curtains. And you also have a cat. And we got a cat. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Let's throw him in there, too. Right. Okay, so A, curtain rods are not created equal. <laughs> Let me just Amen, start there. Brother. Let yeah. me just start there. Yep. Of all right. House number one, modern house with a pet, with a cat. And guess what? The cat does occasionally run up the curtains mm-hmm. that cats are prone to do. Of the homeowner is tired of finding their window treatments in the floor. Yeah. Fair enough. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's a disaster and that kind of stuff. So I go up there and I look at it. And they, of course, have contractor-grade, cheesy little, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go shopping. So off to the store we go. I, I do a lot of that with my clients. I do a lot of let's go shopping. And the first thing we looked at was how the curtain mounts and the size 
of the rod. Sure. Because the, the diameter is about eight pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's doing about 20 miles an hour when it hits this thing. We need some stability to keep this up. Right. So the little dinky, you know, the cheapy stuff here is just not going to work. And the screws that come with it are not going to yeah, work. Yeah, what is it with those screws? They never, they give you these little anchors and little inch and a quarter screws. They're I don't know freebies. what that, yeah. They're freebies. This right. is where now, you know, house number one, we find an appropriate uh, rod, the right length, the right color. She she likes everything about it. And we installed it with my favorite tool in the world, wall mollies, mm. a.k.a. Each one of these little joints is 60-some-odd pounds of holding power penetrating the sheetrock. Right. All right. Now that we got this up there, now it's actually load-bearing. So let's just be honest. The cat at some point is going to have the zoomies and go sailing around that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny. You're opening up an interesting uh, can of worms, too, because I want to chime in on this when we uh, when we come back. There's, mm -hmm. more to, there's more to discuss, believe you me. You're listening to Tool Talk Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to continue Alan's Week in Review. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. For one dollar, what tool is used to hammer a nail? Is it A, a hammer, B, a nail, C... B, nail, final answer. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Whatever happened to that show? I feel like you would have done pretty well on that show. Yeah, we had <laughs> You'd be the guy everybody calls in for their for the free help. Yeah, yeah, right? I would be the friend uh, the friend helpline. Exactly. <laughs> and welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer Carpentry and Wood Turning. Here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from DarkOakMedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. We also invite you to watch the show. Today we are on the uh, News Talk 98.9, the Roars X platform. Uh, you can watch us there. But we also encourage you to go to Facebook and check out the uh, Tool Talk Radio Facebook page uh, for the posts we've made over there. Uh, and if you're just tuning in, I want to let you know that, uh, among other things, today is Elmo Day, mm. right? Alan, I think you'd appreciate this one. Chef! Oh. I mean, wait, but, but, you're try, but you're trying, though. You're trying. You're, you're not a horrible chef. Apparently, Elmo's a very bad chef. Oh, big yes. surprise. Uh, did, did, were there any fatalities? I mean, any... I mean, you think he's even got his own cookbook. Apparently, he does. He does, he does I, a lot of talk show um, uh, um, uh, segments these days, which is interesting. I don't know what, why I have a beef with Elmo. He, he just seems very narcissistic. It's always Elmo would be the, it's like he's always talking about himself. Do you I know not he's remember a, having three and four-year-olds? I don't know, man. I don't like to encourage <laughs> and that the reason of... the reason he is is because of the fact that he's supposed to resemble a caveman. Um, it, his language is supposed to resemble a caveman because his okay. original voice was like Elmo, blah blah blah, and it didn't work. So. It didn't. It didn't fly. I'm sure a lot of people out there have yeah, happy Elmo, memories of Elmo. Elmo V1 was kind of scary. Okay, I, I remember Elmo V1. If you've got any fun, fun Elmo memes, send those in. You can send them to the uh, uh, the uh, Big M Roofing and Remodeling uh, hotline. You just text those in nine zero one six eight three zero nine eight nine. Um, and also, uh, in the second hour of the show, we're very excited because we got our special guest correspondent, Lynn Neal, the real deal, 
uh, coming in. Mm. He's going to talk about uh, the Indianapolis uh, 500 Speedway. He's going to talk about outfitting your garage for the to make the ultimate mechanics garage. And uh, he's bringing in a, a special tool for our tool tail segment. So uh, if you got any questions for uh, for for Lynn, make sure you uh, chime in. Then uh, right before the break in Alan's week in review, it, you know, at at first I always like to ridicule my my reflex is to mm. uh give you a little grief but actually you're bringing up something very practical most people are not going to hire somebody to uh to put in curtain rods or to put in window treatments most people are going to do them themselves but uh you you're making some good points about the right kind of anchors things like that may i chime in with mm. one thing though? dive in my uh my my thing with uh hanging curtain rods i'm i'm a big believer in that in that maxim it only takes a little more to go first class mm-hmm. spend a little more get the, the the better quality curtain rod the more rigid ones maybe a bigger diameter uh better brackets of course the, but i like to try to anchor into studs rather than even fooling with the whole um with the with the whole uh you know anchors and things if i can Sometimes yeah. you can't because where the end of it lands, but you could always at least try to hit the middle support with one. But um, one thing I just want to say is because sometimes people say, well, you know, I want to use those longer screws, but the, the bracket is decorative. And if I don't use these, if I don't use the black screw, then it's going to stand out. Well, just get some touch up paint. It's you know, It's called a Sharpie. Right. There's always <laughs> ways to modify and to incorporate. But anyway, you were you were talking you you were working in a couple homes this yeah, week. Yeah, well, so. it, it was a dichotomy because I did modern home first, and the modern home's concern was the pet. Well, you got a cat and running you, up the you, curtains. You got a cat, <laughs> and you know, let's face it, you just hung a fibrous dangly thing off the wall. Right. Let's just be honest. Let's not get mad at the cat because that's why you own a cat because they do stupid things. And and you love them and you're not going to get rid of it. So you might as well uh, just admit it and move on. This is a cat gymnasium This now. is going to be a cat gym. Right. And you might as well put this up there so it's less aggravating for the human. And, you know, if it doesn't, and one thing I've discovered if you stop caring about it, the cat loses interest. Oh, the more of a fuss you make about it. Kind of like with ah, children. Yeah, yeah, the more you go off about it, the more he wants to do it. In this case, now that it is firmly, securely up there and nothing's falling off the wall, there's no sense of adventure for the little fur bag. Makes sense, yeah. So, so your little darling may or may not leave it alone. But you won't find it in the floor. And you say you're happy. So that was tool. That was house number one. House number two. Boy, did we set the wayback machine. This bad boy is about 115 years old. Wow. And still has original plaster slat walls. Man, those are a pain. There had to have been at least, and I, I'm I'm really recalculating in my head. There were at least six different kinds of hardware. Still mounted to this thing. Oh, so they put it up and they just gave up. They didn't even try to take well, it out. Or... Over the century, literally, yeah. just, you know, somebody put up this kind of curtain and took it down. Somebody changed out to that kind of curtain and took it down. But all the hardware, all the mounts had just accumulated up there. Now, this was up in the air also. This wasn't like you could reach it with a, you know, you weren't going to just stand on a milk crate and get up there and do this. Did these have higher ceilings? Yeah, this is much higher up. Yeah. 
So I understood why I was up there, but I'm up there for like an hour with a flathead screwdriver and a hammer, prying nails out, prying out. They were rusted in. Oh, my gosh. And then we get to the install. And this is where I'm really going to point out there are some amazing window treatments out there. And there are some that are even, this lady had some actual original ones. And I kid you not, Joe, cast iron. Wow. That and these bad heavy, boys, man. these bad boys for like were work for working out. Gee whiz, I can't imagine what. Yeah, you so, better hit the studs on that one. So. Well, where? How do you find them? I, uh, I'm glad you asked. There we go. Uh, there is a way to find them, folks. So now it it will affect. So if you're wondering, well, I I'd like to uh, make sure I drill into the studs. Well, mm-hmm. how do you know where they're at? Well, look at the window. Look at the trim, mm-hmm. and there should, if it was properly constructed, be two studs running parallel, at least you know, to up to where the header is. If you're if you're putting it up a good five inches above the window, you should hit a header and a stud. But mm-hmm. um, how do I describe this? You know, you know what I'm saying, Alan. Just mm-hmm. the stud will run up next to the window. You can always just cheat a little, get yourself a finished nail, and tap it in until right. you hit the stud. But more or less on each side of the window, there should be. A stud. I mean, and that's we're what's talking holding it about in. So. The window should not be weight supporting. There um, should not be anything from above directly on the window. So there should be a frame that the window goes in, and that frame goes all the way up to the roof. Right. That's right. what Joe's talking about. Yeah, because the header is what blocks the weight from it. Yeah, I mean, these right. things, the, the window is essentially floating, you could say, and it, it's screwed in. Because yeah. if any weight is applied to the window as the house ages or shifts, then the window's not going to open. Or the, the, or the window's going to get, yeah, <laughs> it can break the glass. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, congratulations, Joe. You pass. Okay, thanks. Um, now, how do you drill through 105-year-old semi-mortar plaster over horsehair cardboard and slat wall? Probably with that metal yes. netting in it too. Gosh, that stuff's a pain. I hate that stuff. Um, and it can and it can start cracking and falling apart. Yeah. Too. So I'm up there, and hint number one: if you've got those really old plaster walls, and there are a lot of those in the mid south, mm-hmm. I run into them all the time. Of masonry bit, I just dismantled and one yeah. masonry bit, and take your time. And it'll 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 go through eventually, and you'll have a nice solid spot to set your screws. Yeah, get it. Yeah, they might call it a concrete bit, a cement yep. bit, but yep. it's made for drilling through. Yep. It, it's got to be small because obviously the screws got to you know. The screw has to have something to grab. And, and once all you that. hit the wood, stop. Yes, you're only you, going in about an inch and a half. When or, you see yeah. when you see sawdust, you're done. Right. That way, your screws got a good solid connection, especially with the heavier more ornate window treatments. Yeah, these sounds like they were monsters. Man. Oh, these, so. but they were beautiful. But, you, but I understood why. You took one look at it and went, yeah, this needs to go up there. This this deserves to be up on the wall. Beautiful so, work. So the, the tale of two is know your room, measure. And the other thing is, please, please, please measure where your finish is supposed to stop at the floor. Well, exactly. Yeah, you better calculate that. Yeah, you need get to get the tape, tape measure. measure. Make sure you got this measured out correctly. Make sure you got this set up. And remember that the window treatment is actually there to cover the whole window. Mm-hmm. So, like Joe and I Make were sure talking it's level about. Too, you know? Oh, my gosh. bring Please bring the level. Uh, what Joe and I were talking about was 
make sure you hit to the outside of the window frame that inch or two over, which gives you the good decorative sweep, which covers your window tray. And gives you privacy. So, yeah, lot to think about with that. So, um, you know, it's always a good idea, too, to just jump on YouTube for these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. All right, you're listening to Tool Talk Radio. We've heard from Alan. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear uh, from the mind of Max. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. Ron, what was wrong with that one? It was too perfect. It looked machine-made. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Okay. Well, I guess I respect that, uh, but I don't know. Ron Swanson just bugs me. Thanks, Max. And you knew that, too. I asked you for no Ron Swanson uh, rejoiners today. I kind of forgot. Yeah, right. And welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio. When you say you don't want something, you know I'm going to have to do it. Okay. He's a great character. Don't get me wrong. He's he's a fun character to watch, but the guy just gets on my nerves. So I don't know. Uh, you know, as a woodworker, Alan, you want somebody out there to... Never mind. Okay. Uh, and welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and the befuddling Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And it's a great day to do it because, among other things, uh, it's Elmo Day, which uh, I've got a little beef, Max. Why don't we have a Cookie Monster Day or even Grover Day? I mean, sure it's out there, but I, I, I don't know. I just keep liking I just keep finding like these golden items of him like this one. Is there like a gym on Sesame Street? Is there a gym? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a budget like this show. You know how much... Okay, all right. Pretty wise guy. I mean, okay, he, he he can hold his own on a talk show. I'll give yeah, him that. So. That is Elmo's secret superpower. All right, if you've got any Elmo memories or El- <laughs> any strong feelings like I do about Elmo, once again, the hey. Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline, 901-683-0989. There are some pretty good memes out there with Elmo hey, you can Kermit, send in. You know, Kermit, 30 years before, did the big, you know, made all the rounds, was all the big celebrities. So, you know, Elmo's just having a good time. That's true. Miss Piggy came along and stole oh, all the man. thunder, though. Piggy, so. Piggy, Piggy stole every scene she was ever in. I just uh, like the old hecklers. Those are the best guys. Oh, Waldorf and Statler? Yeah. Um, also, because Joe and I look like them now. <laughs> Speaking of the speaking of what we look like, you should go to the uh, News Talk uh, ninety eight nine the Roars X page, and you can see what uh, what the new hats look like. We've got Tool Talk Radio hats. hats. I don't know how widespread they'll be immediately, but uh, if you really want one, we could probably get you hooked up with one. So get in touch with us. Um, but um, Alan's not wearing his. I notice. I'm I'm sporting. I'm I'm out there. It's representing. warm today. And check us out on the Facebook page as well. Okay. All right. That was a long. That was a long way to go to get the thing teed up. But um, anyway, uh, we're in a minute. We're going to. Uh, I don't know if this is a new segment, but uh, we're calling this from the mind of Max. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's talk about our good buddy, Larry Brown with Brown Refrigeration. So this could be an interesting day. It conceivably could be another one of those days where you started the day off putting the heat on. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If it gets up near 70, you may have to put the AC on a little bit. You know, it's another one of those days yeah. reminding you how the whole system has to function uh, cohesively. The uh, There's really nothing more uh, complex than the HVAC system in your house, and there's 
fewer things more important that I can think of. So you need somebody with the expertise uh, to keep it, you know, you basically want to keep it maintained and you also, you know, you want to keep it running at its best. And that, that means get Larry, uh, get Larry Brown or his team out there once or eh, once or twice a year for a little tune up or a checkup uh, to get your ducks clean, to uh, anticipate any problems and to, you know, when it, when it's fu- functioning properly that these visits pay for themselves. I mean, and uh, make sure, of course, you're changing your air filters, of course, uh, you know, the, the routine maintenance. But um, also what's great about Brown Refrigeration is the fact that they are always at the cutting edge of technology. They work with um, train systems and the Remy Halo system, which is really hand in hand. I, I, I would have to think every unit that goes in these days has the Remy Halo system. I mean, it's just it uses the UV power of the sun. It creates clean air that comes out of your uh, system and all, and it also creates air. I, you could say this is almost the superhero of air molecules. These things it's are out close, there man. Yeah. cleaning every surface that it hits. So it's just, you know, it gives you that fresh feeling in your home. Uh, they have a great business culture over there. They have great financing. It's just an all-around uh, great operation. We're really proud to be associated with Brown Refrigeration. You can get in touch with them directly at 901-362-1881 or go to their website, brownref.com. All right. Well, this should be an interesting conversation. Oh. Is this what your mind sounds like, Max? Is this what it sounds like with the brain? Uh, I don't know if my mind has any sound at all, actually. It sounds like something. Okay, when you if you ever meet Max and you and you hit him with an interesting idea, I could see this sound activating in his brain. <laughs> I like the idea of my brain having an anthem, having its own theme song. So, what do you got for us today, Max? Well, today I kind of have a proposition. Okay, I was thinking about something. The idea of these structures that tower to the sky, for example, the Burj Khalifa. We kind of build it with the idea of permanence, but I think we should instead build structures with the idea of their impermanence. Because one day or another, that Burj Khalifa or that mile-high tower in Japan that they're kind of prospecting is going to become obsolete unless it gains a UNESCO status and they preserve it. But with that in mind, it's like, what do you do with all the all the stuff that comes down for example, like the idea of like, all right, you destroy this entire building and now it's reduced to rubble. But what if you built the structures in such a way that you could, in theory, reuse the material afterwards? Like the way the perfect example that I have is when you're building a Lego set. Well, if you're done with that Lego set, you can just disassemble it and use the elements in a new construction. See, I Max, I love this because you know what? For the last century, I think you triggered Alan too. The last century, we have these. We have these structures in New York or Chicago or whatever, and it's like, wow, we built a skyscraper. Well, you know what? At some point, it has to come down. It's inevitable, and you're. You, it seems to me you're creating a lot of problems for the future generation. So you're. And one other thing before you. Ch- so here's the other thing with that. Um, so you're saying build it with repurposing in mind. Um, the other part of that is you could build a structure that in theory, could last 150 years. However, it may be obsolete. In uh, You go to Las Vegas, that's a perfect example. Some of the some of those casinos, they're, they're very dated. After 20 mm-hmm. or 30 years, it could even feel dated. So, re- yeah, building something where maybe there's some disassembly and reusage in mind. I like that, Max. Well, I'll give you a good example right here in Memphis. The Crosstown. 
Oh, yeah. Well, to, to, for those of you not in the Mid-South, the, uh, uh, the Sears Corporation uh, had a massive distribution center here in the center of Memphis. It was a poured-in-place concrete building, honestly. It was put in like a giant tooth, basically, over a million square feet of space. Mm. And, of course, times have changed. Things moved on. Companies have come and gone. So we wound up with a giant, concrete, million square foot of space of dead space. But it was built structurally for strength. Like it was a very... It was designed to hold tons and tons of inventory Right. of a few million dollars later and a lot of determination. And you and I watched the transformation. Yeah. Um, It is now the Crosstown. It's its own little community. It's It's almost a little city inside of there. Um, And Max, you have also just posed a question that is beginning to haunt a lot of the owners of skyscrapers because after the pandemic of a lot of companies are not going back to the way they officed before. Well, it's it's funny because I like how you use the analogy of Lego, you know, and it's like, I feel like, okay, it's not realistic that you're going to take every little piece of wood trim or whatever. Right. However... What about just building the uh, structure itself? What if what if I beams and things could be made in a way where it could be disassembled essentially or something instead of just yeah? I, I, there's just a lot of material that goes into it, and you don't want to waste it all. There so. is one conundrum though, and it's an all important conundrum. It's the idea of recycling a foundation because it's like, for example, there the Fontainebleau Hotel. It has like a foundation that goes down like a hundred feet and it like has i forget how many what the equivalent amount of concrete it is in there where it's like okay yes you take down the found you take down the structure but what happens to the foundation does that make it easier to construct a a new structure there or does it make it more difficult because you have to essentially gut the old foundation and put a new one in Hmm. now i guess it's opposed if they use roman concrete or not i mean the sears tower has be, they have uh, tubes and supports that go a mile into the ground. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, first things first, I think getting it off, getting it out of the ground is easier probably than removing. I don't know. At some point, our our uh, descendants are going to have some real problems taking these things down. What At some point, some of them are coming down, Alan. Well, I mean, what no, are you going to do? I, I think we need to go way back in history and go, what is still standing 2,000 years later. Yeah, but do you want the Sears Tower there 2,000 years later? Well, but, well, I don't need necessarily the Sears Tower there 1,000 years from now, but why can't it be constantly repurposed? Mm, I don't know. So well, we, have, uh, we have pagodas in Japan that are 1,000 years old. We have pyramids that are several thousands of years old. We have Parthenons, we have Pantheons, we have all these wonderful buildings that are still around. And we are discovering ways of extending the life of buildings. So I am, I'm kind of with Max on the fact that we're going to take up this amount, especially airspace, without the, leaving the corresponding footprint. Actually, go ahead, Max, because you just triggered an idea, but you because, had something. Kind of building off of what Alan said is the idea. 
it kind of it's fascinating to me the things that we choose for like UNESCO status or like you know for like preservation status because we think of these like old structures. Well, eventually these things that are quote unquote modern will become. How are we going to determine what what we decide to preserve and what we decide to knock down? Because you know they don't have that historical effect or sort of historical aesthetic like they did back in the day. I also wonder, okay. When you get rid of, I keep saying the Sears Tower because that's where I grew up, but I mean, mm-hmm. that is a huge tower. It is. It's okay, well, when you take on. that down, I have to believe, I mean, there are buildings literally right sandwiched right next to exactly. it. Exactly. Those are probably going to have to come down. There's probably going to be a blast radius. I don't know how you just remove that by itself. So I I don't know. We we got a big mess ahead for well, the, the people that have to deal with this Well, like in the I said, future. this is a topic that is being broached because we've got literally really big tall buildings sitting there empty or partially empty and yet we still have a housing crisis yeah can this be repurposed into housing can this be you know it's kind of like of you you look at tools in the backyard and you go okay well yeah well these were all gardening tools but can i use them for other things can i move to another purpose I can think we, we yeah. can we look at these buildings from the point of view of all right right now we need housing well 50 years from now things are going to have changed and shifted and moved what do we need then and can we repurpose this building i think we're going to i think maybe the place to start is to flip it max just go to let's start incorporating this into housing and maybe it'll evolve into uh, skyscrapers we're going to it's a pretty good topic max we're going to um have some parting thoughts with that and then uh, we've got some other things to get to you're listening to tool talk radio we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back tool talk radio with joe and alan you're making a plan while i'm being- News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. That's the secret to longevity in structures. Exactly. All right, Max redeemed himself with that aqua, Aquabats rejoiner. Aquarats? If, if yeah, you want to know uh, how yes. to live, just follow the model of the Aquabats. Aqua. Uh, and welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. Uh, you can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And I'm wondering if, uh, did uh, Agent 732 fall off the map or is he sleeping in lately? These, because how is he not chimed in on he's Elmo working. Day or he's something? Working. So I don't know where he's at. But, <laughs> he's uh, working. <laughs> today is Elmo Day. That's the holiday Max has, uh, you know, alerted us to that everybody's celebrating. So if you've got any thoughts or comments about that or, you know, how about home improvement uh, comments? No. That would be good, too. That'd be a scary it's one, one of the few days where you can actually use your name in the third person. That's right. Uh, also, we invite you to watch the show uh, on the News Talk 98.9 The Roars X page and uh, check in with the post we've made at the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page. And check us out at the News Talk 98.9 Facebook page as well. Yeah, check that out, although I think the camera is off there. No, it is. Nope, where it's on now. Oh, you got it. Well, thanks for the alert, Max. Okay, so both platforms. I said it last platforms. <laughs> All right. Hey, and also, just a reminder, at the uh, at the 9 o'clock hour, we've got our good buddy, Lynn Neal, the real deal. Yep. Uh, a great nickname because it really s- sums it up. He really is the real deal. 
he's going to come in and, and very uh, excited. We've got some uh, crossover between home improvement and automotive uh, discussions coming up. Uh, before uh, we get to that, though, Max, you were you really hit on a good topic, and it was more or less um, building sky. We're especially looking at skyscrapers, but I would think every structure maybe starting to build with an eye towards repurposing. Don't just build a structure and then whenever the future comes where it's obsolete, you just basically blow it up or bulldoze it or whatever and scrap the whole thing and you've got all this, you know, material. I the idea maybe there's ways to at least with the framing or something take take uh, construct it in a way where you could reuse that stuff. Uh, off the air, Alan, we were we were making uh, what I thought was a pretty good point. You might build a structure that conceivably could stay up for 150 years, but, you know, neighborhoods change or people's mm-hmm. preferences change. You might, I mean, how many skyscrapers have we seen in big cities that become abandoned because now that is no longer a desirable neighborhood or something? Well, you know, now what do you do? Yeah, you know, basically like, you have one generation. You get 20 years. Yeah, I'd say. And at the end of that 20 years, whatever you thought 20 years ago has substantially changed. Especially with technology yeah. changes and, you know, t- aesthetic ch- choices, everything. So, yeah, you can't just put these things up and imagine <clears> they're <throat> going to be there for the next 200 years. So, I don't know. It's a pretty good topic. It, but, you know, they still just keep building these skyscrapers. I feel like we're leaving a big mess for somebody in the future. However, maybe I'm we could start. It's a big mess now. <laughs> well, one thing that's happening that I do think is positive is there's a lot of um, – uh, in in terms of home construction, there's this this eye towards modular home construction mm-hmm. where some of this stuff might be made off-site. I know, uh, Max, the Japanese um, are sort of ahead of the curve on this. They do a lot of, um, basically, you, you make the house in a uh, indoor, you know, a massive uh, factory. So the wood is staying dry, it's staying, cl- and then they assemble it on the job. And they get there and they assemble this house in like a week. So, I mean, you know. it kind of reminds me of like what Elon Musk is doing with like his sort of like the boxable houses and boxable things homes. like that. Yeah, I well, think that's the way to go, because at some point you may say, you know what, I want to let's remove this over here and let's bring in a new segment here or let's get rid of the, the kids have all moved out. I, I don't need a 4000 square foot home. I'm going to go down to a 2000 square foot home. Or I also think so. it's rather fascinating. The idea of modular homes is sort of a certain step in our evolution as like you know, like homeowners or whatever, it kind of, because we had a discussion a while back, Joe, the idea of the more our technology advances, the more organic it'll be perceived as. But it makes me think of our ancestors, how they were hunter and gatherers. They were very itinerant people and nomadic. And so the idea of having homes that could be knocked down and moved elsewhere is kind of hearkening back to our ancestry. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple months ago, we were talking about the Native Americans with the, the teepee design and everything. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're not going to go that hardcore, but there's just something to be said for non-permanence, you could say. Well, or flip the entire script and go with the fact that we can now show up with an additive printing device and just print you a house. Right, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, let's you talk about technology changes that have totally changed things. Plus, now let's pick on of construction bricking. Even that has changed. You can now build a house out of fundamentally grown up Lego bricks. Yeah, that's fun to watch, too, because, man, you talk about you. You get your three or four buddies over there. You you will 
frame this house in in the matter of days. It's pretty neat. So, you know, I mean, technologies are changing rapidly, and the fact that a couple of companies are now actually using modular brick construction to build multifamily homes. Yep. Now that gets fascinating because I think that's a kind of a layout between both worlds because you can build a permanent structure and it can also have the advantage of how hard is it to add on to it or right. how hard is it to alter the configuration later as needs taste or environment changes. Yeah, I feel like these, um, especially those, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, there is a product today. We uh, Alan brought it to us, uh, man, a few weeks ago. Yep. I can't remember the, the, the company. Rancor. Rancor. It is literally the, it, these are bricks. They're probably, uh, we're calling them bricks. They're made of wood, but they're, and they're insulated. And they literally stack together. They make almost an airtight seal. You stick your siding on one side, you stick the sheetrock on the other. Well, when it when when the time comes to disassemble that pulling off sheetrock is easy, yeah. pulling off siding is easy. You could literally, you could in theory disassemble that house, take it and move to Montana and build it, rebuild it, and put on it a back new together. plot of land or something. So, you I mean, know, all I got to say is we moved London Bridge the same way. We took it apart brick by brick, and if you don't know, the original London Bridge that was falling down is in Lake Havasu, Arizona. That's right. That is sort of a little, yeah, you wouldn't think so, but that's where it is. But if so. you want to go see the original London Bridge, go to Lake Havasu. Maybe this is the way to do it. Maybe you start with this, like we said, because realistically, I don't know. I mean, skyscrapers, That's I'm sure there's a way to do it, but that sounds like a much bigger challenge, you know, to make them disassemble, you know, disassemblable, if that's a word. <laughs> as technology has changed, Joe, and as the workplace is changing, you know, a lot of these skyscrapers were developed because we had to put everybody together because basically the world worked on a sneaker net, a.k.a. I typed up a piece of paper. I handed it to Max. Max ran it down the hallway to you. Mm. You took it to basically what we would call a sneaker net. It was run by shoes. Right. And then we got you had phones. runners, yeah. yeah. Then we got phones. But you still wanted people together. Now with modern technology, you and I could be doing this show and looking directly at each other, and we could be 500 miles apart. That's a good point. Yeah. Some shows do that. That's what they, you know. You and I just happen to live in the same city, and we're in the same studio. But there's nothing that says I'm not looking at you on a video screen. Well, if Alan gets his patent, we could be teleporting to work, you know, in a, in a couple of decades. Who knows? So, yeah, we, you know, that's the thing. Really, non-permanence, I mean, uh, is probably the way to yeah. uh, design from now on. Yeah, so. Max, you have, you brought up a massive topic. I hope a lot of people are listening, and especially you architects. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they, you know, they've, they've got to consider that. Well, somebody's got to step up and just start doing it and place companies like that. Uh, I'm sure somebody wrinkle. is. I'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll see it in the news before much longer and we'll do a whole segment on it. I promise. That's a good one, Max. So, um, yeah, I, I do like this. Uh, I do like, um, uh, I do, I, I'm, I'm glad that the conversation is being started because yeah, I just keep thinking of all these skyscrapers and what's, uh. What's going to happen in a century or so? Anyway, well, wow, the first hour is gone, you guys. So this is going to be interesting. Um, coming up, we've got our good buddy, Lynn Neal, the real deal. We're going to uh, talk about the uh, Indianapolis um, 
the, in great moments of building history, the Indianapolis Speedway. He's got a tool tail, and we've got a lot of other goodies. Uh, so stay tuned here on Tool Talk Radio. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. Tool Talk Radio coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning. Here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass and a special guest we're going to introduce momentarily. Uh, you can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And we really encourage you to do that. We're going to have a lot of interesting conversation today. And really, I'm sort of uh, uh, amazed that nobody's chimed in on the fact that today is uh, Elmo Day. That's the holiday we're all celebrating. I know when we get out of here, there's going to be a big party. There's probably going to be a lot of burning of Tickle Me Elmos around here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so you can get in touch with us uh, at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline, 901-683-0989. We also invite you to watch the show. Okay, we're bo- on both platforms, right, Max? Correct. Okay, we're up on the uh, News Talk 98.9 The Roars Facebook page and the News Talk 98.9 The Roars X page. And uh, also, uh, we encourage you to go to the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page and check out the post we've made over there. Uh, but if you go, if you're watching the show, you, you've you already got a sneak peek of our special guest. Uh, in the house, we have our good buddy, Lynn Neal, the real... There we go, man. <laughs> exactly right. That is exactly right. That's you, ain't it? That's me all day long. If you're uh, a regular listener to News Talk 98.9 The Roar, you know Lynn Neal follows us directly, it, you know, follows right after Tool Talk. And we thought, hey, Lynn, let's let's combine forces here and let's let's uh, we need to get on each other's shows more often. Yeah, I think. it was your idea. It wasn't mine. I was uh, I was ex- excited for you to say it. No, it's going to be good. So it, with that in mind, we're going to tap into your expertise. Uh, among you know, I'm really looking forward to our great moments in building history discussion. Um, that's going to be, we're talking about the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. There's, I learned a lot. You know, one thing I love about these, uh, Lynn, is I learn just as much as anybody else because you do the research. And there's some things I found out about this uh construction that are fascinating and the history let's hear what you learned oh we're gonna get to that stand by uh also (laughs) we're gonna tap into your expertise we're gonna talk later about building your ultimate uh mechanics garage if you want there's a lot of things to think about let's talk about it yeah we will okay (laughs) we're gonna talk about all that would you call Uh, that a man cave or a mech cave i'm not sure a car cave but also, uh, Lynn, we you know in our tool tales, you you're gonna um, spearhead a tool tail discussion. There's there's a a particular tool, and you you even brought it in. Too. I did. So yeah. I just want to say something though for people that may not know, Lynn, you beat Evil Knievel in a race, didn't you? That a motorcycle is a, I did race. do that. I did. It was a wheelie race, is what it was on the back wheel. Are we allowed to talk about this, or uh, is the the evil Knievel? You're going to have to ask Mr. Bohan if you're allowed to or not. <laughs> and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we can talk about it all day. I just think that needs to be said, man, yeah. because I I really don't it like evil Knievel. I always thought he was kind of a eh, you know, but uh, I was proud to find out that you defeated that man. Yeah, uh, he so. wasn't very happy. No, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Of course, I've never seen a. Uh, Anybody that's a racer that's not a sore loser, they just want to admit that they're not. Is that, that true? They are. Okay. Oh, my. Are you kidding? 
Well, no, I know they're competitive, no, but they don't want to lose. Okay, they don't want to lose. Period. He's not a racer. The guy was a stunt man. Yeah. He did a lot of stupid right. things yeah, well, he for lost. money, and he right. he lost the race. Well, right. you know, as a competitor, Joe, let me let me make one point that I think you will totally grasp. Okay, if you are not the lead sled dog, the scenery doesn't change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. I don't know. Uh, give me the. Okay, never mind. I, I prefer the uh, sportsmanship of, like, the Great British Baking Show or something. You shake hands, you wish your comp- opponents the well, best. Well, they're not racing cars. Yeah, that, that doesn't, that's not real. I mean, it, you know, sometimes it does, but there's nobody that, that, that in my world that, that is a racer of any kind of racing that's not a, that doesn't, not, okay. that doesn't like, that doesn't like running second place. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not, it's not that they hate it, but... Um, you know, everybody wants to win, and, okay. and that's the whole goal is winning. And the the guy that runs second is the first loser. Well, I'm just glad you beat him. I'm, yeah. I, I I was really interested in that fact. Yeah, so was, I think it was a it wasn't as big of a deal when it happened. Uh, when it happened, I mean, we were in West Salem, Ohio, at a drag race on a Sunday, and I was racing another bike for you know for another shop out of uh, Oxford, and I was working at a cycle shop in South Haven, Cycle City. And um, when I called my boss to tell him that, you know, that I'd won and, and I, you know, about this deal and, and all that, you know, his, his question was, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know what time are you going to be at work tomorrow? Hey, you going to be know? here in the morning? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> or, you you didn't know. Care. Okay. Good job on Sunday, but you know where you're supposed to be on Monday. Right. Okay. Yeah. What a world you live in. So, hey, uh, Lynn, so we're, we're going to, I want to get to a tool, a tool tale and, uh, you know, Max, cue it up. I hope you have it ready to go. And now, oh. Tool Tales with Tool Talk Radio. And uh, this is where we like to share stories of, uh, you know, maybe we, maybe a, maybe that uh, belt sander saved the day on a project, mm-hmm. or maybe you had a crescent crescent wrench that just came in handy during a, a specific operation. And uh, we all like to just share our battle stories to, with some of our favorite tools. And Lynn, you brought a tool in that I have to admit I don't own one. It's pretty cool, but it's yeah. uh, it's a special one. Uh, it's it's special to your heart, right? And, uh, well, yeah. It, 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 so we, we want yeah, you to is, share your it, tool tale. Exactly. So. It is, and it, it really is special to my heart. When you guys reached out to me about you know coming on the show, um, as you guys know, I used I was a snap on tool dealer for almost fourteen years. So so I mean I have a little bit of background in, in the tool business. And you and you said something about you know to, your question was kind of you know bring a story about your favorite tool. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, good night. I mean, I was a Snap-on dealer, so um, great tools, uh, man. You know, yeah. and um, legendary. Uh, the but as I thought about it, I thought about the very first tool that I ever bought uh, as a teenager. I bought a handheld impact from the motorcycle shop, Cycle City in South Haven, that I went to work for afterwards. You know, it was, and I. I paid like fourteen dollars for it, and I want to tell you what a, a handheld impact. Yeah, describe it for our listeners. Right. It is a it is a uh, an object that you hold in your hand that you wrap around you know your four fingers and your palm like you know like a, a broom handle or something. And let me let's back up. In the mechanic world, uh, whether it be motorcycles or cars or whatever, uh, we run into problems where the fastener that we're trying to get out is stuck. And, and let's just say it's a Phillips head, which is what was m- most common, you know, back in my day. Um, and you, this, this handheld impact is something that you put a bit on, a Phillips bit, if you're pulling out a Phillips fastener, a Phillips head screw. Um, 
and you you take this handheld impact and you kind of load it. It has a, it's actually it's directional. You can do revert, you know, counterclockwise or clockwise. Right. And it um it you strike this thing while you're holding it up into the fastener, and it it compresses and it goes through a little sleet a wedge. And it actually rotates whichever way you want, counterclockwise or clockwise. And when you do the hand, you know, the impact, it actually, you know, it, it loosens it up. So my, my, my. So you're smacking it with a hammer. Because when well, you showed me this thing, it looks very right. primal. It looks yeah. very simple, but. It is. It looks, you know, it, yeah. it kind of looks like a small bowling pin or something. I mean, right. you know, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it has a three eighths drive and you put a three eighths drive socket or whatever kind that you want to on it. And, uh, and it is. Uh, it's really a cool deal, and and to the guys that that um, especially in my world, in the motorcycle racing world, you know, you had to have that in your toolbox, a handheld impact that you know that you change bits on, and and that's my favorite tool right there. There you go, man. Yeah, because also um, the other part of that is that um, uh, they rust, things rust, things uh, expand or contract from that. So it's it's pretty cool. An impact driver, and it sounds like it saved you many times. So. It has definitely saved me many, and lots of other people too. And it's still kicking. Yeah. So, well, uh, very good. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for the tool tail there, uh, Lynn. This is going to be good, you guys. We're going to uh, take a break, and when we come back in our great moments in building history, we're going to discuss the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. This is glue. Strong stuff. News Talk 98.9. The roar of Memphis. I hope it's strong stuff. Otherwise, I'm not using it, Alan. (laughs) And welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com. Our pal Max over there behind the glass, and our visiting correspondent Lynn Neal, the real deal, who can be heard here. Right, you know, stay tuned. Next show, yeah, next hey, hour. T- it's our be- two-year anniversary today. Oh, I didn't Ooh, know that. Yes, Whoa, two years really? on the radio. Actually, uh, February fifth, but today's show is is we're celebrating it as our two-year anniversary. So I'm I'm so excited. Well, I'm we, excited to be on here too. We would have brought a cake in if we had known that. So, God, okay. Make sure it's fat free. Happy birthday, Elmo and Real Deal Racing Reports. Okay. <laughs> you know, if, just by the way, if you ever drop into the uh, News Talk 98.9, the Roar Station, you're pretty well represented here. I'm looking at, uh, you've got a, you've got one of your trophies in here, Lynn. You've got uh, your hat and you've got a race car up there on the uh, Yeah, Ricky Stenhouse board. Jr. race car. And that trophy is not my trophy. That is a trophy from the world's largest indoor cart championship race that's held yearly since 1990. Uh, in Batesville, Mississippi, and that's one of the trophies that those guys win. And we had the we had the uh, Shane James and those guys from James Pass Management on the show uh, back a few months back, and they forgot their trophy. and And I'm hoping that I they think don't. It looks pretty good. I'm kind of hoping that they don't listen to the show so that they don't they want to come pick it up. <laughs> All right, let's move on then. So, okay, well, and if so, this is a great day to get in touch with us. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. You can also watch the show if you're wondering what Lynn Neal looks like. Well, you could probably Google him, but also he's he's Googleable. You'll find him on the internet, but also. 
Uh, you can watch them on the studio cams. We have the uh, News Talk 98.9 The Roars Facebook feed going and the News Talk 98.9 The Roars X page going. And also you can scoot on over to the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page and check out the posts we've made over there. How come, right. how come Max doesn't get the... How come we don't have a, a camera on he's, Max? He's, What's up with that? He's elusive. He refuses to go on. To quote you too, I move in mysterious ways. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Max, hit it, man. And now... Great moments in building history. Okay. In in your honor, Lynn, we knew you were the man for this. And uh, so we wanted to, uh, I don't think we've done a racetrack yet. And I mean, what better racetrack to focus on than the Indianapolis 500 Speedway? Um, I think I, I think it's safe to say everybody knows what the Indianapolis 500 is. It's a 500-mile race around yeah. a two-and-a-half-mile track. The, the race itself is. But I learned quite a bit. I mean, I know what the Indianapolis Speedway is. I didn't know all the history, and it was really fun to research it and um, the, learn the evolution. I can say uh, it, it was built in 1909. They started it about, I don't know, four years before that. Right. But it was the brainchild of Carl G. Fisher. And it's we're saying 2.5-mile track. It's, from what I could see, it looks to me, it's it's sort of ovalish, but it's also sort of a rectangle. And it goes about a mile one way, a quarter mile the other way, a mile that is that right? To that's say? that's yeah, that's kind of exactly what it is with seats. And I was shocked a, when I found out oh, how yeah. many seats there are. Well, let's just say it four hundred thousand seats. Yeah. I think it's it the largest sport venue in the world. It is. Yeah. I, I I was stunned. I knew there would be a lot, but I had no well, idea. But two hundred and fifty-seven thousand um, permanently mounted seats, and when it comes big event time, it swells up to four hundred. And so, and has in in its history it sells out often. Yeah. Well, yeah. so Oof. so what we wanted to do is just kind of consider a little bit about what it would take to actually make this thing, and then Lynn, you've got some great history of this. So, Alan, let's start with the fact that okay, this is a bit. You've you've got three. What is it? Three hundred and twenty acres, or did you say it's five hundred? Well, I had the. You got to add it up over the years. Okay. Because it has oh. expanded. Oh, After okay. the final, the version you're going to go to right now today for parking and everything all inclusive, you are looking at a grand total of 560 acres. Put your head around For that. one venue. Is yeah. that as big as Shelby Farms? That's got to be bigger, right? Because <laughs> Shelby Farms isn't huge. even a mile across, I don't this think. Is, there are a lot of cities in and this it's country. And it's in the middle of the city. Yeah. There are a lot of cities in this country that are not 560 oh, yeah. acres. Yeah. So you, your job is, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to stick a racetrack here. Well, for one thing, you're going over a little creek. You've got to make it level. You've well, got to make it safe, which it wasn't at first, right, oh, Lynn? I mean, it was oh, a let, death let, trap. Let's, let's go but, way So back. what kind of landscaping yeah. are we talking here? I mean, this is a lot of work. All right. Well, let's let's start where racing began. Okay. Because we're in Tennessee, and we got actually a lot to do with this. Because them evil revenuers was chasing oh, yeah. them boys making moonshine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And when they wasn't running from the law, the law and the moonshiners would all get together on a Sunday and Lynn's just nodding his head off. That's exactly get right. Get together on a Sunday afternoon yeah, and, race. and see who had the fastest car. That's exactly right. And it was very competitive. And, hey, nobody wants to, wants to lose. <laughs> nobody wants to lose. Everybody wants to, to win, yeah. If you, if you lost that race, you went to prison. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that's right. So, welcome to speedways catching on to cars and was it 
Cadillac that came out with that first V8? No, it was a Mercedes Benz. Mercedes. Oh, I don't know about I don't know about the first but, V the first uh, V8, but the, I remember the like, Benz is who came out with the first internal combustion engine. Bingo! Isn't that right, Max? That is you, correct. I, I mean, it was, it was in eighteen eighty or something. So welcome. You know, it's only nineteen oh nine. So this yeah. is this is in your backyard technology. Yeah, right. And they're doing this race and. Indianapolis kind of gets founded, and Fisher and his boys are out there racing and all this. And there were some pretty horrific wrecks. Huh. There yeah. were some pretty horrific wrecks. One guy's mechanic got killed. Another one. I mean, there's there's a list of. Them. I got a I got a lot to. We, Max and I did a bunch of research about this, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. Because well, but it started as a dirt track. But it's dirt. It's dirt, which means it's got. Tire pieces and potholes and, and grooves. Everybody's trying to get on that. It did not start as a dirt track. It started. At, it it was the way it was constructed was it was built out of brick that were uh, well, they, three three million bricks. Is is they they laid the brick in the dirt as the foundation and then they covered the brick with with uh, a white limestone and with gravel and with tar and with asphalt. And when they first when they ran the first mm. race. It was. It may have appeared to have been dirt, but it was a. It had a brick foundation that was three hundred and twenty million bricks, I think, and um, that weighed ten pounds a piece. And they they laid these bricks, and then they they poured this this you know after they poured the limestone and the and the gravel and the tar mm-hmm. and the asphalt or whatever on it, they had uh, mule uh, driven steamrollers, and they just. Squash this stuff into this brick foundation, and uh, in this two and a half mile oval racetrack was born. I, okay, hang on. You just, I didn't know that. Okay, here's what I found in the research. It said it was a dirt track, then gravel, then brick. Are you saying that they basically, and it's three point no, two fishers. million bricks, right? That but was are you fishers. saying, are you saying that they, because eventually they they thought the safest option was to race on brick, but. Are you saying they just got rid of the gravel and the dirt and went down to the brick foundation? Or no, did they... They, the foundation that they originally built was brick, and then they poured something on top of the brick to the was the surface that they raced on. And and uh, we when they in nineteen oh nine when they had their first they actually the first race that they had at in nineteen oh nine was a motorcycle event. And isn't that right, Max? Technically uh. not. <laughs> it was technically a balloon race. Yeah, what's up with that? It, um, bull- nine balloons would start lifting off for a racing trophy. So it technically started at Indianapolis. And then one of the winners landed all the way 382 miles in Alabama. And they spent more than a day in the air. Not only that, but it was also an aviation facility as well. Like Wilbur and Orville Wright actually presented certain stuff at there like for a national aviation meet. Which is pretty wild. Wait, and that's inside. That's inside the facility. That's inside the facility yeah. itself. Yeah, there was plenty of room in there. It was like a. It was like a promotional thing, and it didn't. Uh, Orville and Wilbur. That that was the year they made their flight, right? So I mean, that same. Was, same I'm uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Okay, I'm just. I'm sort of stunned that they started with brick and then decided, well, we're going to cover that up because it well, seems like know. brick. Would I think been a that better... the brick originally, by you know, from from uh, this Mr. Fisher guy. Was supposed was going to be the foundation. It was going to be, you know, it was it was actually the foundation. I, I from what I gathered, of course, n- none of us were there, but that's what I, that's what I found in my in my history was that it that they laid the brick and and then they they covered the brick with was. Hey, listen, when 
I know that it wasn't brick when they when they raced the first car race on it, which first race that they had that that was a, that involved an internal combustion engine was a motorcycle event, and the the surface of the of this facility was so br- abrasive that the motorcycles they blew all their tires and everything. So it was uh, <laughs> it was really, horrible. Man. And then and and the second you know the, the the second event that they had well i guess we'll have to come to that in just a minute but it yeah. was the, there's a lot of information about what happened after they ran the motorcycle event that they had to postpone good alan well it, this all kind of began with, with fisher visiting a lot of the dirt tracks in england mm. and was convinced dirt was the wrong surface because oh. you couldn't get the speeds yeah and oh, he the, wanted to go high speed. So. And the stuff he was pouring on everything was tar oil, and we'll talk about that when yeah. we come back. There okay. A lot of evolution in the uh, oh, yeah. Indianapolis 500 Speedway. And we'll continue the conversation when we come back here on Tool Talk Radio. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. I've been cooked up in the studio too long. I've forgotten what it's like to be outside working next to men who know what they're doing. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Max, are you trying to tell us something, man? Mm. I don't know. Uh, I don't don't like the implications of that message. And welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Woodturning. Here with my buddy, Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. And our special guest correspondent, Lynn Neal, The Real Deal, which is, uh, you know, settle back and uh, relax because uh, once we're off the air, uh, Lynn, you guys are jumping on the show. I, yeah. yeah, two year anniversary for us today. It's the two year anniversary of Lynn Lynn Neal being over here at News Talk ninety eight nine The Roar. So it's a great day to uh, chime in at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling uh, Hotline. You can call or text us uh, at nine zero one six eight three zero nine eight nine. We also invite you to watch the show if you want to see what Lynn and uh, and uh, all of us look like. Uh, not Max, of course, at the uh, News Talk 98.9 The Roars Facebook page and the News Talk 98.9 The Roars X page. And we also invite you to check out the posts we've made over at the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page. Uh, we're In a minute, we're going to get back to our great moments in building history discussion, which uh, in, in your honor, Lynn, we're talking about the uh, Indianapolis 500 Speedway. But uh, before I'm honored. we get to that... Uh, you know who else is a fast worker, a guy that gets the job done, is our good buddy Jay Hill with Big M Roofing and Remodeling. I wonder if he's been to the Indianapolis 500. I'm pretty sure he has. The guy's been everywhere. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But um, he would fit right in there. He's high energy. <laughs> he's a dynamic personality. And we always salute the great business culture that he's created over there. I don't know where Jay finds his uh, technicians and employees, but he, he gets the best of the best. And... Um, He's the best of the best. He's always five stars with the Better Business Bureau. He's a GAF master elite installer. He's all about the exterior protection of your home from uh, roofing, siding, gutters, and windows. We always lean heavily into his uh, roofing expertise, though, because, I mean, uh, that is sort of where he's made his made his biggest mark, you could say. Uh, Jay is also a former insurance agent, which um, when you hear that, you're like, well, so what? Well, here's so what. Uh, there's a lot of times where you may have uh, damage to your uh, the outside of your home that's covered by your homeowner's insurance, and that but that's not a simple process. It's no. very complicated, and there's no. Uh, you ask 50 different people what to do, you'll get 50 different answers. So you need a competent professional. <laughs> Jay just happens to be that professional. He'll come in. It's a free consultation, and he's going to look over your roof. He's going to look at the outside of your home, 
And if there is damage that's covered by your homeowner's insurance, he's going to know it. And there, the, if you have a path forward with that, boy, does that save you a lot of money. Or if you don't, at least you're aware of where you stand and uh, you've, you've, you've got a great uh, consultation. And uh, it's possible you may need financing as well. Well, Jay's got that covered. He's got 30 lenders at his disposal. Uh, you can qualify in minutes and uh, choose the terms that work best for you. But uh, more than anything, Jay just brings a real energy and a real sense of optimism to every project he's a part of. And that's what we love about Jay. And he's also uh, hands-on. He wants you to call him directly. And like I said, we have a big game coming up in about a week or so. Call him during the the, the, the pivotal moment of that game and test uh, just how much he wants to talk to you. So call him directly at uh, 901-484-5645 or go to BigMRoofingAndRemodeling.com. Yeah, I could see it. The uh, Maybe it goes into overtime or something, and you call him up to mm-hmm. talk about your roof. But uh, Hey, uh, Lynn, uh, before the... Um, Before the break, we've been talking about our great moments in building history. You know, of course, we're always interested in the actual construction. Uh, It's a lot of detail, but needless to say, there were a lot of challenges converting this uh, 328 acres into a two and a half miles uh, track that seats 400,000 people. It's evolved into that. But we also, while we've got you here, want to hear about some of the history of the, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's got history out the wazoo. We're over a hundred years into this thing. And so we wanted you to kind of give us a little, uh, backstory. There's, there's a lot of history. So, yeah, well, of course yeah. it's, it's the most famous racetrack in the world for sure. And, uh, it, in 1909, like I said, they ran a motorcycle race. There was the actual, I thought was the first event, but Max says it was a balloon race. And, um, <laughs> they, uh, the motorcycle race was so abrasive on the motorcycle tires that the, the motorcycle tires were coming apart during the event and they had to stop the race and postpone it for a couple of weeks or to a later date. And, uh, they did complete the, the, the motorcycle race, but the weeks later they had a race, a 300 mile race that was going to be the first race there. That for was autos. a, for automobiles. Yeah. And, um, they had some major issues in during the race. One of the competitors, uh, they got to think about this. They had a mechanic that rode in the race cars with the drivers and they would, there was things that they would do like, you know, pouring more oil in it or doing (laughs) things while they're going around the racetrack. I mean, so the mechanic would, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like that they, you know, they pulled the race car into the pits and mechanic jumped out of the car and did, did his service work. I mean, they did it while they were going around the racetrack. And at the very first event, the, one of the competitors and his, in his race car and his mechanic, flipped and it killed both of them during the event yeah and it was could, pretty tragic yep. and, then yeah. Lu- and then louis chevrolet the co-founder was temporarily blinded while he was racing while he was racing yeah because yeah the, a piece the, of the, gravel i think well, yeah they had i mean it was it, it, it was it was the track tore up while they were racing and and all this debris the gravel the limestone the tar and all that stuff was going you know flying off of the rear tires of the cars that were racing and the competitors that were behind <laughs> these people were were getting showered with with all kinds of you know things like that that were breaking the goggles and and you know breaking people's jaws and they had leather helmets on and it was just you know it just turned into a, a major chaos and then Max didn't you tell me that that uh what that there was another guy that flipped into the grandstands or something oh yeah it was i believe the name of i believe it was William Bork he yeah. suffered a rear axle failure and he crashed into a fence post along with his mechanic. Like you said, 
His name was Harry Holcomb, who was also at the scene as well. Yeah, that's the guy that flipped. The guy that actually wound up in the grandstands was Charlie Mertz. That's right, Mertz. Yeah, and, Charlie and, Mertz. He went through five posts and about a dozen people. And Ugh. killed three Jeez. more people at the first event. There was five people that got killed at the first race at the Indianapolis 500. Now, that's according to history. None of us were there. We didn't see it. But I'm, we're, I'm just going by what I saw, you know, what I read. It had to be the truth. It was on the Internet. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's has actually, to be it's the pretty, truth. Uh, yeah, but well, it's actually in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway yeah. history. Oh, yeah. They have it in the official history. Yeah, all that. so. Uh, the good news is Fisher made a lot of promises and got it fixed. He was a race promoter. And once it got fixed, it really started kicking. Oh, for I, I do sure. have a question for you, though, Lynn, because, right. okay, eventually we know that it they, they determined that at the time that brick would be a much safer thing mm -hmm. to race on. Well, I, I've, I've driven across cobblestone roads yeah. or anything. What is that doing to your car? And are you feeling that vibration? Oh, you have to, I mean, yeah. But you got to think about it. The, the, um, in this time frame, there wasn't, you know, you didn't have uh, shock absorbers and, right. and different types of springs with different, you know, different spring rates and things like that. I mean, you had, you had what you had. And it wasn't, it, you know, you didn't, it, you didn't have a, a major suspension or things like that that would be able to absorb the, uh, the, the roughness of the tracks and the tires and the wheels. I mean, the wheels were made out of wood. I just wonder what it's doing. Yeah, I mean, all that vibration yeah. and all the torque and everything. Yeah. And you're putting for you know, 300 miles in an open cockpit car with a with a mechanic in the car with you. <laughs> yeah, because you see these uh, you see these guys at the end of it uh, in these historical films. They take their goggles off. Yeah. Their eyes are all white, and then they look like a raccoon. That's then exactly. Then their right. mouth is all dark from all yeah. the exhaust and dirt and everything yeah. they've been breathing in. Well, so, the the thing you get that's only if they do, if they stay on four wheels. If they yeah, turn right. over, they. Yeah. They, they yeah. usually, you know, were hauled off on a stretcher. Well, oh, you, you get into an effect with the brickyard that they discovered that was basically called speed levitation. What's that? So speed levitation is where if you're going over a very uneven road. Oh, so you're going over yeah. a very uneven road. If you're going slowly, your tire is riding right. through every single one of those grooves. Right. But the faster you get up to speed the less contact your tire is actually making with the road. So all of those little divots in it, you're now basically, once you pass about 80, 90 miles an hour, you're just riding on the very top edge of the surface you're on, which was like what floating. made the 100-mile-an-hour mark so important. So in other words, you're not, <clears throat> and you went then, Lynn, when you want to make a turn... Half half the time your car isn't even on the uh, on the ground. You, most of the time you have the barest connection to the ground, which brings in the amazing skill of anybody driving uh, on these things. Because you know they when they say it felt like you were driving on air, you mostly are. Yeah, I don't and know, as man. these speeds keep getting up and up, because the the holy grail back then. 100 miles an hour. Oh, for sure. Because it was just yeah. undoable. Yeah, it was unheard you, of. You couldn't do it on dirt. You couldn't do it on sand. Right. You couldn't do it on cobble. But on this nice, hard brick surface that wasn't giving and wasn't throwing stuff up behind the tires, when they finally got down to that... Uh, you're, talking about, you're talking about the brickyard. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about the, the final yeah. iteration that broke the 100-mile-an-hour yeah. speed record. And once that hit, 
gates were open. And, you know, we've, we've gone faster and faster and faster ever since. And I think the record for a lap is like right at 38 seconds. How many miles an hour? It's, what was a mile an hour? I don't know. Two and a, you have to do the math on that. I think it's 230 miles an hour. I 228, 230 yeah, miles an hour. I think they all run 200 incredible now. Incredible amount of speed. Yeah. Hey, Lynn, have you, have you been to the Indianapolis 500? I've not been to the Indianapolis 500. I've been by <laughs> the building. But uh, we, the drag strip at the uh, where the where they run the U.S. Nationals at Indianapolis is outside of, you know, it's away from the where the 500 track is. So Okay. But I have, I've been to the, I've been to the drag strip up there, but I, I and I've only been by, I've never been to the actual, to the actual uh, competition. Well, of course. Of course, it's grown, and now we've now, like we say, it seats four hundred thousand people. The top, the, the the track has been you know paved mm. and everything, and right. it's rooted in a lot of odd traditions. For example, the milk and the kissing of the yeah. bricks. I thought I'd ask you guys to explain yeah. that. Well, kissing the bricks makes sense to me. Yeah, well, you can tell us because there is a, a little remnant of the bricks, right? Well, then. the kissing of the bricks actually started in in nineteen ninety four, I think, by Dale Jarrett when they had the first Brickyard four hundred, which was the first NASCAR race that they had raced there. I think it was 94. I think it was 96 actually. Okay, well anyway, it was Dale Jarrett and his and his team, they won the first that that particular race and his crew and him went out to the center of the thing in front of the flag stand, you know, after he had won the event and they all kneeled over it and they kissed the bricks and it just became, you know, this phenomenon. So now everybody that that either the winners of the Indianapolis 500 or the Brickyard 400, they always they do that. Because what they did is they paved over the, and it's much much safer now and much faster. But they left a remnant. There's a three foot One strip yard. at the finish line and the starting mm-hmm. line, right? That's right. Of brick, yeah. and that's what they, yeah. So yeah. back in 1936, uh, Louis Mayer was was wiped at the end of this thing, and he swapped the water for milk. Yeah, warm uh, milk. He did. He did. I think uh, it was. That sounds dangerous. Buttermilk. But he I did think buttermilk. Oh really? Yeah, he did I thought that milk. it had to, something to do with so much milk in the you know so many dairy farms and stuff in that area. Yeah, that Louis Meyer just liked buttermilk, so okay. he swapped out the water. Weird traditions. <laughs> we're going to wrap up our conversation about the Indianapolis 500, and then we're also going to talk about outfitting your garage uh, while we got mm. Lynn here in the house. You're listening to Tool Talk Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. The likelihood of you dying violently within the next five minutes is 87.61%. You are about to get me killed. We will both die because of your negligence. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. All right, I don't know how to tastefully reply to that one, Max, uh, especially given the topic we're discussing, so I'm going to move it along. That's usually when the building calls me in. (laughs) Yeah, and welcome back to Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry, and Wood Turning. Here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com, the tasteless Max behind the glass, <laughs> and our good buddy Lynn Neal, the real deal from, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Lynn, you've you've seen it all. You've been uh, you've been in this business for over 40 years, right? You're the talking about the racing business? business? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, more than that. And you beat Evil Knievel in a race, and I brag about that, even even if you're not gonna, because I I like I, I don't like Evil Knievel. I never liked that guy. So sorry. Although I think I did as a kid have that crank up motorcycle toy. Yeah. Did you have one of those? No. You were too old at that point for the. Uh, the I was just on the cusp yeah. where it was okay to. Have, I think I was ten or something when it well, came hey, out. But, I don't know. At this time, I mean, I, I you know we were racing motocross. And um and we were you know we were jumping and and you know it was a big deal uh we he, we had kind of we just kind of um he was a little bit uh 
old-fashioned to us back in those days. Yeah, he's... Okay, anyway. Hey, but... Uh, it was a pleasure to take his money, though. It, amen, brother. So <laughs> you beat him in the race and you, you bought a van, right? I did buy a van money. with that. Sure did. Good for you, man. Hey, before the break, we've been... In our great moments in building history, we've been talking about the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. I will tell you, you know, we're always interested in the construction of things. We, we kind of touched on that, Alan, but uh, it's, a, it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down because it involves a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of uh, um, landscaping that you had to clear mm. 328 acres. Yep. That's a, that's no easy task. You had to make it safe uh, for racing, which it really wasn't at first. It, hey, it, plus it is it was, now, right? I mean, it's yeah. pretty safe. Well, uh, no. No? No, it's not. I mean, it's well, no. It's I mean, comparatively when, the, speaking, when a race car goes 220 miles an hour in a, in a, on a two-and-a-half-mile oval, it's it's really not safe. I mean, those the the uh, the drivers, you know, the, it's tremendous chances that they take and and uh so i mean to, it, it really isn't safe i mean I, you know I, I mean it's safer than it was in 1909 but it's still yeah. a da very dangerous sport and and um uh, the facility's safe um the okay. race cars the race cars that are going 200 miles an hour are uh you know made that's major chances that the drivers are taking and uh takes lots of skill and and uh, that's why there's uh, everybody's not driving race cars yeah, thank goodness. So, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I don't need to be going that fast. I can tell you that, but um, it is a special. And and uh, let's just let's just say this out front. Um, okay, bowlers, in my opinion, are not athletes. Race car drivers are athletes. I'm just going to say. It. You know what I'm, I'm saying? with you. You know what I I'm mean? With you. Sometimes there's this tendency to say, "Well, they're driving. They're not." Football players are yeah. no, that is yeah. an athletic. The show belong to Joe Thornton. So. That is an <laughs> athletic right. skill. I'm sorry. So, but anyway, hey, uh, sorry Fox, about that to all those bowlers out there. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't care. I mean, it, it bowling's a game. It's not a sport. You can. Oh lord, I don't care. <laughs> uh, send that hate mail in. I don't care. Hey, bowling. Wish fun. Shorty Chambliss were here. Oh. Hey, uh, but there's a lot that we that we could discuss. Uh, with this, but um, we have to move it along, Lynn. We were down to our last segment, so we want to talk about. Move, let's let's uh, talk about. Let's suppose you're into auto, you know, auto mechanics, and you want to outfit your garage with the uh, maybe just making it more user friendly for that. Or build a or build a garage, or build your own garage. Well, yeah. if you can do that, that's the ideal. The ideal. Some of these pre finished uh, steel uh, buildings are great because they're just wide open and you yeah. can put whatever you want. But let's just suppose you have a garage. Here's a few things we can uh, round table. Um, I do have a question. So you can actually get a lift for your garage. That's exactly right, and and I'm glad and, you're going to talk about that. So if you do that, you have to think about reinforcing the concrete underneath, and you also have to think about raising the wrap. You know, you want the ceiling to be a little higher. You don't want to raise the thing and have it hit the ceiling. Yeah, you can't and, do that. And especially if you're in a if you're in a home where there's nothing really above the garage, it's it's doable, right, Alan? You just That's remove yeah. the, that layer mm -hmm. and you make yeah, it more of a pitch room. But talk about having a car lift. What some of the considerations? Obviously, safety. You have to well, think I can about tell you when. something. If you're any kind of a yeah. car enthusiast or anything, anything like that, it is a dream to have a lift in your garage. And I suggest if anybody's going to build any, you know, if they're going to do an addition on their house or or in a, you know a garage or whatever around on their property, to make sure that they do do it big enough to where, as far as the ceiling height is up there enough to where that they can if they if they don't if they don't know if they're gonna do that just plan to do that because you're going to if you get the opportunity oh yeah i mean the car lifts they, they got them they're really reasonably priced they're very easy to you know to install and everything and they work so good and uh yeah i mean it's uh, anybody that's a car enthusiast you know 
that's if that's your dream. If you could have a li- I wish I had one. Alan, I want to ask you the scientific question because, I, okay, it's all well and good, Lynn, to have a, a, a lift. What if you're not comfortable with uh, how – maybe maybe you're not sure your garage floor can handle it, Alan. How do you beef it up? Like, what is adding concrete going to do the job, or do you have to have rebar or – you know what I mean? Okay. How well, much reinforcing do you have to do? That uh, is a awesome question that is going to get answered by probably having a professional uh, come out and give you a core sample. Yeah, uh, because we we really need to know what have you got, uh, especially if you don't know if it's somebody that's at that, that <clears> has <throat> built their own, you know, that's built their shop. You know, they, they you would don't probably, know how deep they went with that yeah. concrete. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the I biggest do. thing I was is, there. When <laughs> I poured it. Yeah. yeah, the biggest thing is, do you have the proper rebar? And the other kind of dangerous thing in the Mid-South is what part of town was, is your house in? In other words, because you have foundational issues. All dirt. Is you're talking soft. about in the in the Memphis, Tennessee yeah, area. I'm, I'm talking about in the yeah. mid south. Yeah, yeah, all dirt is not created equal. Yeah, and that's why if before you're going to start go lifting vehicles, uh, you need to have. And there are a number of companies out there happy to do this for you. And it's actually shockingly not that expensive. And there are ways that they can inject concrete under yeah. your current. Uh, your current garage to make sure that you meet the density that you need to lift a vehicle safely without cracking your slab. Okay, so that's another consideration. I, I would have it, and you were, you're going to ask for a core sample, and they'll tell you what the density of your concrete is, the depth of your concrete, and what it's going to take to get you to reach, let's say you need uh, a compression lift of 20,000 pounds, and they can tell you very easily. They'll type it in their calculator and go, oh, well, you need... Six inches of this. Yeah. And so, so don't just pick up your uh, <clears throat> car lift and then install it without checking all this stuff first. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah don't, 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 and start drilling holes in the concrete. Yeah. Mm. Here's yeah, another thing. Yourself. Now we're going to talk about comfort, Alan. Mm. Uh, your your garage door may not be insulated. There Correct. also may be gaps between the, uh, you know, there may be, it may be letting a lot of hot and cold air and get yourself an insulated car door, uh, garage door. Yes. Right? Uh, a mini split is a nice thing because it's discreet. It's up there by the ceiling, and it'll make it comfortable. But uh, now let's talk about what to put on the floor, Lynn. We've got, I mean, we've got these interlocking Man, so tile. Much. We've got epoxy. We've got, what. what's your preference for a Man, floor? Man, I, I love stained concrete or, or, or mm. anything that they do on the concrete that is a stain or, or anything like that. That I love that stuff. Uh, the look of it is now how how... You don't want it too slippery either. Though. No, I mean they're they're different. You know, there's different. Those guys that do the stained concrete stuff can, you know, you're going to get something up, especially in a garage. You want it to have something that's going to have some abrasion to it. You don't want it to be slick like you do in your house. You want to be able to clean up, but you yeah. also need it to be. Well, yeah, you don't want to be slipping when the yeah. oil. Yeah, it's going to be chemical. These the epoxy that they're going to paint yeah. this with um, will also have in it flecks of an abrasive. That's correct. So and you can, can be, depending on how, th- how how much you want it, right? You know, it dep- the, the coarseness that you want, and you can the even pick the colors. Yeah, it's, I love <laughs> yeah, it. Make it's it gorgeous. Look good. Last thing though, make sure you put in your budget and uh, your calculations that you have multiple electrical drops. You know, that's you're exactly gonna have right. to have that's everything right. oh wired. Put more than you think you're going to need because you're going to need them. Yeah, I covered all mine up with toolboxes and, and stuff. And so let I me throw I... in one little extra. It's not the number of electricals. It's the number of circuits. That's exactly right. Make sure each wall 
in your garage, if you're going for this big effect, yeah. has got its own breaker. Exactly. Um, Lynn, you know, we had more that we wanted to discuss you, but we don't have any more time. But, What's that uh, sound? Hey, and if Is you can't over? get enough of Lynn Neal, don't... Is that the don't... caution flag? I was thinking it was coming. <laughs> no kidding. We can't believe it. The checkered flag is being waved there, Lynn. Yeah, but hey, yeah, yeah. stay tuned because Lynn Neal, the real deal, is coming uh, up right after the break. But Lynn, it's been great having you on. Let's do this again, my friend. Two year anniversary on the Real Deal Rex Report. Uh, hey, how about next week? I'll be back next week. All right. We got to get out of here. <laughs> on behalf of my buddy, Alan Gilbreth, and our pal Max over there behind the glass, and Lynn Neal, the real deal. I'm Joe Thorderson. Thanks for listening to Tool Talk Radio, and we'll see you next week.